The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. who rules over you simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH on and your host. And before we start today's show, I would like to thank Brian and Jeff for their recent donations. If you are able to help keep the show on the air, please go to achshow.com and click the banner at the top or scroll down for the books uh, and audio uh, on the right-hand side, direct from my publisher. Anyway, today is Thursday, so of course it's time for the weekly visit of our good friend Dr. Peter Hammonds. Let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Great to have you on, as always. And Peter has got a very timely topic for us today. It's entitled The Real Story Behind Pelosi's Taiwan Visit and the raid on Trump's home. So where would you like to start us off today, Peter? You know, Andrew, we uh, have had quite a number of shows where we've commented on whenever the media is focusing on something, look around for the real story they're trying to distract you from. And um, it's so important for us to recognize that there is, of course, a bigger story behind these stories. And uh, a lot of the media hype is keeping us distracted with the shadows and ignoring the substance and the real reality. And the big issues are the communist agenda, the Great Reset, and uh, the goals of the Marxists and of those behind them, uh, the Sabbatans, the Luciferians, the Illuminati people, and what they want to do in resetting society, very much like what the Georgia Guidestones are talking about, bringing the world's population way down to 500 billion, a massive depopulation uh, agenda, such as promoting all of these uh, famines, man-made famines around the world, shortages of things. This is advancing their agenda where the goal is a global world society, world communism, basically the abolition of the family, abolition of nations, abolition of religion, of religions. What they're after is a one world government, one world economic system, and an inter- one world interfaith religion, something like Revelation 13 warns us about, basically. And we know this is the agenda on the Marxist uh, scale, uh, as far as the Marxist manifesto of 1848. And this fits what the Illuminati's goals are, uh, as this, as uh, revealed from 1776, 1st of May, when the Illuminati was launched. But uh, what is going on right now? Well, first of all, uh, plainly, the Democrats, <laughs> Democrats are in trouble, and they're heading towards the 2022 midterm elections. And there's no doubt whatsoever that the 
electorate, if there's any kind of resemblance of a free election in America, uh, the electorate are going to punish the Democrats for destroying the economy, for making them uh, go from under $2 a gallon of fuel to up to 5 6 and in some parts of California, up to $7 a gallon uh, for fuel. The uh, rampant inflation, the amount of jobs lost, the uh, making America fuel dependent, uh, the amount of scams that are on the go, for example, when it comes to the so-called green energy, well, there's vast amounts of the green energy industry where something like 70% of the supply comes from red China. And uh, they love the batteries and the solar panels and these wind turbines and so on because they dominate the market. And even though it takes a huge amount of fossil fuels to make these batteries, and to make these uh, big wind turbines and everything else that they are into. And at the end of it, uh, many of these Tesla cars and so on, they still get powered up by electricity from the main grid, which is coal powered and so on. But nevertheless, China's making a lot of money up, out of the green uh, deal. And uh, obviously, we should try and protect the environment. But the uh, question always is who benefits? And right now, the Democrats are in major trouble. People are fed up. The economy is bad. Uh, the horrendous, humiliating American defeat and retreat from Afghanistan last year. And many people have not forgotten. And there's no doubt that in the 2022 midterm elections, the Democrats are going to get wiped out, which means Nancy Pelosi will, uh, Pelosi will no longer be uh, the um, congressional uh, speaker of the House. And um, she must be looking for some kind of swan song, um, how to get uh, what well, she's a... a Premier, premier opportunist, and uh, here she's uh, obviously found a way of being on the front page newspaper headlines. And the fact that the people in Taiwan are going to suffer the most from the fallout from all this is obviously not her concern. This is meant to be done to help Taiwan, and to help Taiwan is a laudable goal. But uh, her husband's got major business dealings in Taiwan. There's a lot of insider trading. There's been uh, obviously a lot of uh, real corruption going on, and. Uh, the Pelosi family have made millions out of trading just in the last month, um, dealing with uh, their stocks in Taiwanese um, companies. So that's part of it. This is more like a business deal. There was no real strategic reason for America to have its Speaker of the House visit there. And this charade that, well, the White House is against it and uh, that uh, the military in America didn't want it. But, you know, there's Nancy Pelosi doing her own thing. It's hard to believe that this is uncoordinated. And uh, who benefits? Well, Red China benefits. Um, the dictator of China, Xi, is in trouble. The economy is in serious trouble. Uh, he's trying to get a re-election, uh, if you want to use that word, within the Communist Party to be their chairman for another term. Obviously, China doesn't have free elections. They don't have any other political parties. It's a one-party dictatorship. But the party apparatus is choosing their dictator, the chairman for the next uh, bound. And uh, he's actually done a lot of unpopular things. And he is right now in serious trouble at home. And so this is a distraction from his economic and domestic failures in China. And so China has benefited. Taiwan is suffering the consequences, such as in, uh, increased uh, trade boycotts and pressures. And bearing in mind that uh, China is more than 40% of the a trading partner of uh, Taiwan. So Republic of China, Taiwan, Free China, uh, and Red China, Communist China, do work together on a lot of exports and imports. And therefore, uh, this is going to make uh, Taiwan, uh, Republic of China, Free China, suffer 
economically as a result of Pelosi's stunt, her publicity visit to Taiwan. And what China has been able to do is use this visit as an impetus, as an excuse, a pretext for intensified propaganda and pressure for reunification. And uh, what Pelosi has done, whether intentionally or not, uh, has been to actually ramp up uh, Red China's threats against uh, Taiwan and its independence and its sovereignty. And all of that is obviously bad. Uh, bearing in mind that uh, Taiwan was under the Dutch from 1624 and under the Japanese from 1895, and uh, uh, Taiwan has uh, quite a uh, history. And uh, the fact that the communist Chinese can talk about the sacred territory, well, I don't know how sacred they would regard, for example, Tibet, which they invaded, or India, who they regularly have uh, cross-border uh, clashes with. And uh, so they don't seem to respect other people's territory. And uh, they're still occupying Tibet and uh, bullying any country that wants to give the Dalai Lama any kind of uh, diplomatic acknowledgement or visit. For example, when Dalai Lama, uh, who is the exiled leader of Tibet, visited South Africa some time ago, um, he was invited for the birthday party of Bishop Desmond Tutu, the ANC government um, prevented him coming in and uh, blocked his uh, visa. His, uh, he should have been able to get one to the border. Wouldn't let him in the country, which was, in fact, so uh, cowardly, but it was obviously to kowtow to the communist Chinese who don't want anyone to question their invasion and occupation and exploitation of a free country like Tibet. And uh, the fact that Tibet continues to be raped by Red China so for them to talk about sovereignty and territorial integrity and the sacred soil of, of, of Red China and Taiwan being part of it, you know, that's just a lot of propaganda. The main thing is what Pelosi's Taiwan visit did was it benefited dictator Xi by distracting from his internal chaos and financial failings in, in Red China. And it uh, has given the PLA, the People's Liberation Army of China, so-called, not that they've ever liberated anyone, given the PLA uh, an excuse for live-fire excises intimidation uh, around the Taiwan Straits and on six different sides of Taiwan. Basically, at the end of the story, America hasn't benefited, Taiwan hasn't benefited, Red China has benefited. Pelosi might have gotten a bit more media publicity. Her husband may have benefited a few million more from their insider trading deals with companies in Taiwan. Uh, but what this is also doing is distracting from the Democrats' domestic problems and hopefully giving them a bit more of an impression of being tough on China, uh, which they are not. They're definitely in bed with China. And uh, I think this has been well documented by the book Red Handed, documenting how the Communist Party of China owns the Biden White House and has bought up so much of the Democratic Party and so much of the U.S. Congress is beholden to these incredibly uh, corrupt uh, Chinese entities, which are all tied in with Chinese military intelligence. In fact, the documentation in Schweitzer's book on uh, Red Handed shows that tens of millions of dollars have been given to the Biden family by Chinese entities which are controlled by Chinese intelligence. And uh, definitely the Biden White House is red-handed. And uh, uh, Pelosi has got also all kinds of interesting dealings, uh, financial, mainly with Free China. But the whole Democrat Party is owned by Red China. And possibly one of the goals behind the media focus on Pelosi's Taiwan visit and all the drama surrounding that is to give the impression that they can be tough on China too. 
And there's a huge amount of rhinos, Republicans in name only in America, uh, who are war hawks, who support anything that could get America into another war. And uh, they've been bringing out all kinds of newspaper articles in America uh, justifying that America can be involved in a war on two fronts and be involved in the war in Ukraine against Russia and a war with China. And there's even some insane, irresponsible characters in American media uh, arguing that it would be beneficial for America to be ready to fight a nuclear war on two fronts against Red China and 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 Russia simultaneously, which is so irresponsible and so bizarre, it makes one understand again what the connection is with the raid on Trump's house. So hearing about this unprecedented FBI, Stasi, KGB-styled raid on the private home of President Trump, something unprecedented, never heard of an American president or previous presidents being uh, subjected to a humiliating raid like he's some kind of drug lord or something like that with over 20 cars and over 30 FBI personnel coming in to raid his... I mean, honestly, if they want to find some documents, all they need to do is uh, politely knock on the door or send a request and, uh, you know, things could be handed over to them as needed. This is uh, so unnecessary, but it's obviously a media event, just like the media hoopla focusing on Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Now, the media uh, charade, um, this, this absolute stage-managed event on the raid on Trump's house, what is this doing? Well, again, question, who benefits? And America is heading towards 2022 midterm elections, where, by all accounts, uh, the Democrats are going to get wiped out. Uh, they're going to lose a vast amount of seats. All the uh, elections that have been held in the last year have shown the Democrats are suffering badly and uh, people are rebelling all over the place and voting Democrats out, incumbents out, and uh, Republicans, but not just any Republicans, Republicans who support Trump and make America great again, not the rhinos, are getting in. So just look at all the different uh, indicators. Um, the 2022 elections, the Democrats are bound to lose both control of the House and of the Senate. So both the upper and lower house in, in American Congress are about to be, uh, become thoroughly Demo uh, Republican. Democrats are about to lose big time, and they're desperately trying to distract voters. But remember, there's also another important thing, and that is Donald Trump is definitely planning re-election bid in 2024. Now, quite aside from the fact that there's enormous amount of evidence that he won the last election, 2020, and the last election was very corrupt, and there was an enormous amount of theft, and you just need to see the film 2,000 Mules to see already all the massive evidence of fraud. But you know, there was a huge amount of fraud from the computers, the Dominion software, all the way through. Nevertheless, even putting that aside, Donald Trump is aiming for re-election in 2024. And by all accounts, he would win it hands down if there's any kind of freedom and integrity in the election. And there's no doubt that uh, there is no confidence in Biden or Kamala Harris, for that matter, or in the Democrats in general. And the one thing they've got to do, it's a bit of a Hail Mary pass, but they are hoping to somehow get Trump on something that he can have a, if he can have some criminal record, uh, he could be disqualified from running for re-election. Now, the fact that tens of millions of American voters have voted for him and continue to support him means that he's a very credible threat. Now, what has this got to do with the wars and what's it got to do with the news headlines? Well, here's the real story behind the Pelosi Taiwan visit and the raid on Trump's house. President Donald Trump famously in his 2016 uh, bid for 
the uh, presidency and in his very successful campaign, he continually spoke out against America's endless wars and useless foreign wars and the need to bring the troops home, to build a wall on the southern frontier, to protect their own borders, to stop interfering in other countries. And Donald Trump uh, said that America had foolishly wasted over $7 trillion on these useless wars in the Middle East in the so-called name of war against terror. Well, there was a lot of screaming and shouting that that was an exaggeration and he's uh, motor-mouthed and he's uh, exaggerated and there's no way we've spent $7 trillion in the Middle East. Well, the facts are out now. Here we've got the statistics. America has actually spent over $8 trillion. So Donald Trump understated, didn't, uh, didn't exaggerate at all. $8 trillion wasted on the wars in the Middle East uh, in the last 20 years. $8 trillion. I mean, do people have any idea what a trillion dollars are? You can take $100 bills, stack them on pallets, double stack those pallets, and it would take an entire football field, in fact, two football fields, for $1 trillion. That's $100 bills stacked in one-ton pallets, um, double stacked them. That It would be bigger than the wingspan and length of a 747 jumbo jet. Uh, that's just the notes. But uh, just taking, for example, from Brown University, the costs of war report, that 20 years of post-9-11 wars cost the United States of America over $8 trillion and killed more than 900,000 people. So Brown University from Providence, Rhode Island, noted that uh, the present cost of the war on terror stands at more than $8 trillion and more than 900,000 deaths. And this cost of war project, um, which comes from the Watson Institute for International Public Affairs, co-directed by two Brown scholars, released very influential annual report at the 20th anniversary of 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York. And they showed that the long, complex, horrific, and unsuccessful wars against terror continue in over 80 countries in the world today. Some reports say that America has been involved in the last 20 years in military actions in 160 countries. Well, this one is speaking about in over 80 countries. And uh, they said that this, uh, this costing, it includes over 929,000 people killed, including U.S. military members, allied fighters, opposition fighters, civilians, journalists, humanitarian aid workers who are killed as a direct result of the war by bombs, bullets, or fire. But it does not include the many indirect deaths, the hundreds of thousands of indirect deaths that the war on terror is caused by way of disease, displacement, loss of access to food, clean drinking water, you know, bombing cities, destroying plumbing systems, destroying the electricity plants and a whole lot of other things, uh, water treatment plants. I mean, all this is, is affected. The deaths we tallied are likely a vast undercount of the true toll of these wars that have taken on human life. And uh, uh, all this you found at Brown University Edu News on costs of war. Well, to give an idea on what a threat Donald Trump poses to uh, the military industrial complex, the swamp, and uh, uh, to those who have embedded interest in America being continually at war. Consider how much money has been spent on war. And, you know, Donald Trump is the only American president in the last 70, 80 years, sorry, in the last more than 85 years, who did not start a new war. And uh, that, obviously, if, if you consider the primary goal of America as run by War Incorporated, 
is uh, to cause more foreign wars. And then what he did was treason to their perspective and any kind of dirty trick to prevent his re-election bid in 2024 is, is justified by their minds. So I was involved in um, an important uh, conference some years ago and President Obama had only just a year or two before become president and somebody made a, a, a statement that Obama is the worst president in American history. Well, having been brought up in Rhodesia, I thought I should challenge this. I said, he may well prove to become so. I mean, he hasn't even been in power two years at that stage. I said, but consider the impact of Jimmy Carter. In four years as president, Jimmy Carter betrayed 13 countries to communism and another one to radical Islam, uh, Iran. And uh, not by accident, not by weakness, but by deliberate policy, the United States government had as a prime goal to betray countries like Nicaragua to the Sandinista communists and uh, Rhodesia to uh, communist Zimbabwe. And uh, 13 countries betrayed by US foreign policy into the hands of communists in four years. And of course, Iran uh, into the hands of the Ayatollah crazies, betraying America's best ally in the region of the Shah of Iran. And uh, we haven't seen the end of that one yet. Well, as I made that comment, a very senior uh, author and leader, uh, Dr. David Noble, put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Peter, you're wrong. In terms of damage done, the worst president in American history has got to be Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He betrayed one third of the world's land surface into the hands of communism. And whoa, we suddenly stopped and thought for a moment. You know, when you talk about who's the worst president in America's history, it, it's actually quite a long list of, of candidates because Woodrow Wilson, uh, getting the Federal Reserve Act passed in uh, 1913 and uh, getting America involved in the First World War and helping to start the League of Nations. Uh, he certainly is a serious contender for most damage done. Lyndon Johnson, um, LBJ, and uh, the catastrophic chaos he caused with the so-called war on poverty and the Great Society and uh, all the rest. The Clintons, <laughs> what a lot of catastrophic chaos they caused, including declaring war against a country like Serbia and uh, sending over 17,000 bombing sorties to bomb the capital of Belgrade. People seem to have forgotten what America's done in Europe when they were claiming that uh, the war in Ukraine was the first war in Europe since 1945, which is absolute nonsense. Had they forgotten about Clinton's wag the dog war in Serbia? And, uh, you know, the first time European cities have been bombed since 1945. Well, didn't they remember what uh, NATO did to Belgrade? In fact, I had one of our missionary friends working for Youth with a Mission at that time in Belgrade, and she's an American from Texas, and she was bombed by her own Air Force. The US Air Force came and bombed the street, which included uh, uh, the stained glass windows of the church where our friend was um, involved in the prayer meeting, having all the glass showered over them uh, while they were in the pews praying, and uh, all that for what reason? And uh, so the Clintons are pretty bad. And, um, you know, Jimmy Carter, Obama, <laughs> terrible. Uh, Abraham Lincoln waging a devastating war for what good reason. But think of what Franklin Delano Roosevelt did and and think of what benefit he was to war incorporated. When you look at all the wars in history, uh, the um, uh, Second World War cost America over $4 trillion. In fact, $4,690,000,000. Uh, so $4.69 trillion um, and that's just counting the money. That's not counting the hundreds of thousands of lives lost uh, or the millions killed. 
by U.S. Uh, Army Air Corps uh, bombing campaigns on cities in, in Europe and in Japan. Uh, but uh, you can't even just think of that as in terms of the weapons made, because in the Second World War, uh, America manufactured 13 million guns, howitzers, rifles, and carbines. Uh, they built 100,000 tanks, 300,000 military aircraft. They manufactured over 40 billion rounds of ammunition, built 10 battleships, 27 aircraft carriers, 200 submarines. Now, the, the cost was enormous, absolutely uh, tremendous. And uh, the foreign debt was colossal. And uh, to consider the amount of damage done, uh, because it actually ended up being 40% of the gross domestic product of America, 40% of the GDP of America at that time was spent on the Second World War. And for what purpose? Well, saving the Soviet Union and uh, destroying the main countries in the world that were opposing the expansion of communism. And uh, the result was the whole of Eastern Europe betrayed in the hands of communism, including Poland, for whom the war was meant to have been actually uh, waged. But just think of how much was sent to the Soviet Union to save Stalin's brutal, sadistic, anti-Christian mass-murdering dictatorship, the most brutal uh, mass-murdering dictatorship in the history of the world, Stalin, Soviet Union. And between uh, 1941-1942, the Allies sent the Soviet Union over 2 million tons of military supplies. And they sent in 1943 4.5 million tons of supplies. And Ultimately, by the end of the war, 1945, they sent 15 million tons of supplies worth over $10 billion of that time's money, which uh, is over a trillion dollars today. Um, they sent to the Soviet Union 375,000 military trucks, 52,000 jeeps, over 7,000 tanks, over 7,300 other combat vehicles, armored cars, over 2,328 artillery vehicles. 14,795 military aircraft, 8,000 anti-aircraft guns, over 1,900 steam locomotives, 66 diesel locomotives, over 11,000 railway cars, 415,000 telephones, 3.7 million vehicle tires, 15 million pairs of military boots, 4.5 tons, sorry, 4.5 million tons of food, and 2.67 million tons of petroleum products. And it's just sent to the Soviet Union. And by the way, did I say sent? Given, free, delivered, free. And to do this involved not only uh, helping to invade and occupy neutral Iceland as a staging area for helping Soviet Union through moments, but invading and taking over Persia, uh, what today is Iran, where over 50% of all the aid going to the Soviet Union came through Persia. And of course, a whole lot more was flown via Alaska. So huge amounts of aid to the Soviet Union, and the Soviets didn't pay a ruble for it, not a dime. They got it all free. Well, when I say free, obviously nothing's free. The U.S. taxpayers had to pay for a lot of it, but so did the South Africans. Uh, the South Africans under General Smuts, who was not elected, but seized power through a coup d'etat, uh, because our president, president uh, our, actually our prime minister at that time, uh, General James Barry Herzog, uh, he refused to declare war on Germany, saying it's nothing to do with South Africa. The South African Union Defence Force was for defending South Africa. Britain wasn't at risk. There was no reason to get involved in this war. It had nothing to do with uh, Britain and certainly had nothing to do with South Africa. And uh, uh, he got ousted by General Smuts without a referendum, without an election. 
the most popular prime minister in South Africa's history, a man who'd won five elections in a row, a judge, General James Barry Herzog, prime minister of South Africa, had been elected five times. Well, he was ousted in 1939 for refusing to declare war in Germany, and the unelected, Jan Smuts, ruled for the next nine years. In the very next elections, he got voted out. In fact, Jan Smuts never won an election, but that's the way it goes. Second World War was fought for the democracies, not that anyone elected uh, Churchill prime minister at that time. He just slipped into the spot that uh, Chamberlain left when he resigned uh, without an election. And uh, similarly, nobody ever elected Joseph Stalin, obviously, and nobody elected Jan Smuts um, as uh, prime minister of South Africa either. But we were the democracies. Well, Smuts sent all the gold above ground in South Africa to Simonstown for secret nighttime loading onto the USS Quincy, a battle cruiser sent by Franklin Delano Roosevelt to transport South Africa's gold to New York City. And when the gold arrived, then he started Lend-Lease, which benefited Britain, but also benefited the Soviet Union enormously to the tune I've just mentioned. So it's not like that aid was free. Someone paid for it, just not the communists in China or in Russia, but the the people of South Africa and the people of America paid for this in great numbers, and, and Great Britain too, of course. I think Britain was paying its debt, war debt to the United States for ages afterwards. Interesting to see that the people who calculating the cost of war, and you know we need to consider this when we think of uh, the reason why there are raids on Trump's personal house, something that's never been done in the history of America that a previous president has had his house raided, let alone by 20 vehicles and 30 FBI officials uh, in a sort of Stasi KGB style raid. Um, but the real threat this poses to war. And if people want to know uh, why uh, would Pelosi be wanting to make a visit to Taiwan at this particular stage, which only seemed to have provided a great pretext for Red China to not only distract from the internal difficulties and economic failures, but to give them a pretext for intensified pressure on Taiwan for reunification. Who benefits? What is at stake? Well, the midterm elections in 2022 are at stake. The next elections in 2024 in America are at stake. Uh, China's agenda uh, of wanting to seize the phenomenally economically successful powerhouse of Taiwan or Republic of China, Free China. And then there's a huge amount of money being made by the American military industrial complex. The swamp, the deep state in America, depends upon endless useless wars. I think it's worthwhile just noticing how much money different wars in America have cost. Uh, from the Spanish-American War of, the, of 1898, which was over $10 billion worth, and uh, the Korean War, $381 billion, uh, the... Uh, that $398 billion. World War One cost over $381 billion. I'm talking about the cost to America. The Vietnam War was over $843 billion. Well, now we've got uh, the World War Two cost $4.69 trillion. And eclipsing it all is the War on Terror. The last 20 years war, started by George Bush, continued uh, by Obama, the war on terror, which has seen over 14,000 American soldiers killed, over 380,000 uh, allies in those countries killed, more than 800,000 other civilians, more, well over a million people are killed. But it's cost over $8 trillion, $8 trillion to date. 
But here's another shocking thing. According to globalpossibilities.org, the hidden cost of America's wars, American taxpayers are still going to have to pay another $8 trillion extra on the war uh, on terror that they've already poured $8 trillion into. But the other $8 trillion will be an interest on the war borrowings. And that's by 2050, they will have paid another $8 trillion just to pay the banksters for the debt that's been incurred, the interest that's been incurred on the debts for the $8 trillion on the Middle East wars. So when you get somebody like President Donald Trump saying we've got to end useless wars and end these foreign wars and these no-win wars and we must stop wasting our money on trillions of dollars in the Middle East and we must bring our soldiers home and rather defend our own borders, you can understand why the media supports the idea of anything that can attack Donald Trump, even raiding his house for no good reason and trying to charge him on something to try and disqualify him from running in a re-election bid in 2024. And of course, the Democrats are trying to distract their voters from their domestic chaos and their failed wars abroad uh, by uh, Nancy Pelosi's fairly meaningless uh, but very volatile and aggravating visit to Taiwan, which is going to cost the Taiwanese people, the Republic of China's people, far more in terms of sanctions and the terrible fallout that's coming because of China's government under dictator Xi uh, seeking to punish them for having received Pelosi at this particular time. I mean, honestly, any political leader should be able to visit uh, a free country like Taiwan. Taiwan is a free country, and obviously they don't want to be suddenly pushed under a communist dictatorship like Red China. But Pelosi's visit has not helped Taiwan. It's actually uh, put her back in the crosshairs, and it's more helped Red China and their distractions from the real issues and their failures at home. Related to all this, it reminds us again of the election steal in 2020. Uh, it reminds one of the corrupt uh, situation in Washington, D.C., the fact that we've got in the White House today a fake president who is the result of fake election results, who has promoted a fake pandemic and uh, fake vaccines, and who is in bed with the red Chinese and is as corrupt as anything, not to mention promoting these worthless wars, such as in Ukraine. Who knows how many billions have already been wasted and poured down that bottomless pit. But remember that the big question always is, who benefits? And the particular dictatorship that is in Ukraine right now, and it is a dictatorship because Zelensky has actually banned 11 of the 12 political parties, the only political party allowed in Ukraine today is his own. He has closed down all other media outlets. The only media outlet allowed is a state propaganda agency. He was locking up journalists and uh, opposition uh, politicians before the war even began. So obviously Ukraine is no the democracy anyway. And uh, what we are getting in the media is distractions and distractions. And whenever we see a major media focus such as Pelosi's Taiwan visit on the raid of Trump's house, look around for the real story that they are seeking to distract us from, and then always ask the question, who benefits? Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And um, yeah, it's just so important. Um, They're really doubling down. I'm going to be doing a show tomorrow. I'm going to touch on this now because Peter's input is going to be invaluable. Some of you may have heard... Uh, about a 
UNESCO, they said it was the United Nations uh, plan to stop the spread of conspiracy theories, okay? Uh, different people have been talking about it in the independent media. I finally had a chance to get to a zero hedge page on it from rents.com, Jeff Rents's website, uh, yesterday. And uh, in that zero, head art, zero hedge article, it took me to the unesco.org page. Uh, which has this campaign, I guess you'd call it. Think before sharing. Stop the spread of conspiracy theories. And it really, there's a video at the bottom. I don't think that there's a, um, I don't think there's any sound to it. So I'm going to read from it as I play it. Let's see how this works. I looked at it yesterday. COVID-19 doesn't discriminate. virus conspiracy theories are spreading around the globe right often they ignore science and claim the virus is part of a secret plot that it was made in a lab to harm people or allow certain groups to profit financially these claims are not only false they're harmful they ignore science, they cause fear, they sow mistrust, and incite hate. Tune out the fake news and mistruths. This is how you can 1. Check the author. Do they know the subject? 2. Dig deeper. Do the facts back up the claims? 3. Check the intent. Is the author biased? No one is responsible for creating COVID-19, but we are all responsible for limiting the spread. We are all in this together. And uh, don't spread hate. And that's from UNESCO and the World Jewish Congress. That interesting. So that is it. Sorry about the irritating music at the start. Uh, I managed to uh, mute it. So, Peter, we can see that this is... Uh, if you delve into the page, they let me just go further up because what they've been doing as well is they've got a social media pack and they've got these different slides. I've looked at them all. Uh, the second one of the social media pack, it says, is this a conspiracy theory? Probably not if. One, the author has recognised qualifications. Well, folks, we know that what these groups do is if they want a scientist to write a paper that backs up say climate change man-made then they say we want you to write a paper and we'll pay you x amount of money provided it comes to this conclusion and they say thank you very much and they write the paper that comes to that conclusion so no a recognized qualification is these people are very easily bribed and blackmailed why do you think we keep being told uh you know, we're not even told, in some cases, mandated vaccines that have killed thousands in the UK alone and injured nearly half a million. Would you, do you trust their recognised qualifications, folks? If you were given one of them and you were injured or killed by it, would you trust the professionally recognised qualification of the doctor or nurse who administered it to you? The next thing they say, is this a conspiracy theory? Probably not if. The sources are backed by fact-checking sites. I mean, fact-checking sites didn't exist 
until a few years ago because their conspiracy, we'd blown it out the water. So many people were, were talking about it and it was then time for them to back off and admit they'd been found out. But these people will never give up. Absolutely never. They would rather take the whole world down with them than give up. And so they put this garbage fact-checking sites that whenever you see stuff on there, an example of that is the... Um, Bill Gates 060606 patent for cryptocurrency data off the body. And they actually, they said, I've, I've used it as a show meme before. Oh, well, 060606 obviously isn't the same as 666. I mean, the contempt with which they treat the public just goes to show what they really think of you. That's why they think you'll wear a mask. That's why they think you'll stay locked in your home. That's why they think that you'll take a vaccine that has been proven to do so much damage. And I only look at the UK figures, I hear about the other figures, because they, they think you're just stupid. That's the contempt that they have for you. Uh, and then the final one is this conspiracy theory, probably not if the tone is objective and factual. They always still, they, they try to, to slant it in such a way. There's another thing here where it talks about anti-Semitism. And... Um, the they actually mention the Rothschild family and George Soros. That's like somebody writing to me saying they don't like Prince Charles, and I say that they're anti-English. Okay? The Rothschild family and George Soros do not represent the entire Jewish race. But what they do is they use the Jewish race as a kind of human shield that any criticism of them, when you can come out, Peter's been talking a lot about war today. The mother of the first five Rothschild brothers, I think it was 1848, Gutel She said, if my sons did not want wars, there would be none. And we know about wars, the reason they want wars is because they're massive generators of debt. Peter just told you about the eight trillion that the US spent on the war of terror, and they're going to be spending the same on interest. Who created that money? And who's going to collect that interest? Mm. So it just goes on and on. And these people, they disgust me because they know exactly what they're up to. They know it's completely wrong. It's completely immoral. And it's completely evil. But they want to keep doing it because it's like there's a little racket that they've had going on for a few centuries. And they don't want people like Peter and I to disrupt it for them. The idea of them going out and doing a day's work that's something I just would not tolerate. It's unbelievable, the, the sheer arrogance of these people and how, unfortunately, they've got so many minions that are prepared to do their bidding. You know, it wasn't a Rothschild banker that sat down and wrote all this, folks. It was someone who willingly took their money to put this together, knowing that it's just lying to the people. Um, Peter, back to you for your comments. Yes, well, I just love this thing about... Um, um them hating uh, those who spread hate. Well, who spreads more hate than uh, those very people? They're constantly wanting you to hate Russians and they want you to hate people who have been targeted at that moment, whether it is Saddam Hussein's Iraq uh, or whether it is Germany or Japanese and the Second World War and, and so on, but or South Africans and Rhodesians and, and days that they were targeting us. 
But spreading hate is something that the mainstream, lamestream, fake news media does all the time. They want you to hate whoever they've targeted. They dehumanize them and they uh, target them. And right now they'd like you to hate uh, anyone who supports Donald Trump and things like that. And uh, it's the point is, whatever you think about Donald Trump, he struck a nerve when he spoke out against these no-win wars, these useless wars, these endless wars, these expensive wars, which not only waste American lives and money, but of course kill hundreds of thousands of people in the targeted country as well. And it's all very well getting outraged about what the Russian army is doing in Ukraine, but is it any worse than what the American army did in Iraq or Afghanistan or in bombing Libya or bombing Serbia or in bombing Syria, and you could just carry on. A bomber, the drone king, uh, he uh, authorized tens of thousands of drone strikes, which killed over 100,000 people who were in most cases so-called collateral damage. They weren't the target at all. And, you know, that included even um, uh, bombing wedding um, uh, receptions and uh, uh, huge amounts of, of innocent people, women, children, uh, non-combatants uh, being uh, killed and injured in these drone strikes. And, you know, to think uh, Obama got a peace prize. And for what? Uh, now they give peace prize to people who uh, launched drone strikes, which kill mostly collateral damage civilians who had nothing to do with even being targeted. And they sometimes get the targets wrong, uh, as we know. So... Uh, to get selectively outraged about one war and then ignore a whole bunch of other wars, what does this have to do with America? What does this have to do with American interests? And so uh, Donald Trump, quite aside from the fact that uh, under him the economy was better and America was fuel independent and so on, but the fact that he threatened the war industry. Now, obviously, he didn't deal ruthlessly, effectively enough against the deep state, against the swamp, uh, against these criminals who include the people who are now raiding him, <laughs> you would have thought at one stage he was the best friend the FBI and the military had, and he was trying to give them everything they needed. Uh, but to think they've turned on him, why? Because he represents a threat to speak out against these useless wars, which generate a huge amount of industry and economy for some people, and debt which really pleases the bankers. But this is a major, major issue. And um, maybe many Americans don't see the foreign wars as that important. But as a missionary who has spent the last 40 years working in 38 countries involving, uh, involved in eight different wars, I can tell you uh, that we overseas, particularly us in Africa, are fed up with America's foreign wars and with the Democrat presidents and with those who will bomb people for no good reason, because it causes immense disruption, upheaval, loss of life, and it complicates, massively complicates our lives. Wherever we go uh, in Africa, there are people neurotic about the fact that, you know, maybe a missionary could be an American CIA spy. And uh, there's good reason why they are afraid of it, because there are a lot of American spies out there, and I've met some of them in the field too. And when you think of the fact that suddenly a cruise missile can arrive and blow up something near you, which doesn't even have to have any military significance, many times they've bombed the wrong targets anyway. And this creates huge amounts of hatred. And when we work in a Muslim world, many of the Muslims hate Christians and persecute the local Christians, even though they're Orthodox or Coptic Christians. It doesn't matter because they perceive the America who bombed them is Christian. And therefore, they can't always take it out in Americans who send the cruise missiles over the horizon, but they can take out their frustration and rage on some poor mind their own business Christians who've got nothing to do with America. But in the minds of the jihadists, 
any local Christian is a target that they can take out their rage on just because a so-called Christian country like America can bomb some targets in their country. And uh, this has happened. This has happened in Sudan. I mean, I've seen this uh, operating all over the place. I've been in Kenya in the ruins of uh, huge amounts of craters and damage caused uh, when there was this um, retaliation. America sent cruise missiles into into Afghanistan and to Sudan. And next thing, jihadists blew up uh, the American embassy in uh, downtown Nairobi in Kenya, which caused vastly more Kenyan deaths and injuries than it did to the Americans, as you would expect. This is typical. There's always the collateral damage. And so wherever we go, our work is complicated massively by these useless, endless, no-win foreign wars, which cost America trillions and which cost the lives of hundreds of thousands of people in a targeted country. So uh, I think What Donald Trump has said, amongst all the different things he said, and I'm sure there's a lot of what he said that's very valid and important, but this is probably the most important one. America should stop bombing foreign countries. And uh, uh, it it may not help the foreign countries, just like Pelosi's visit probably isn't going to help Taiwan at all, not in the short term, not in the long term. Uh, But uh, just like uh, America's proxy war with Russia through Ukraine isn't helping any Ukrainians. I mean, Ukrainians are suffering obviously, and the Russians, uh, it's, these, these are, are not done because they care about the people there. And I know this because, well, just take America's interference in Rhodesia. Uh, it was a top foreign policy goal of Jimmy Carter's uh, uh, State Department to betray the stable pro-Western government of Rhodesia, of Ian Smith and Rhodesia, into the hands of Robert Mugabe's ZANU-PF, communist Chinese trained and supported terrorist group. And what happened? Well, the people in Rhodesia and Zimbabwe have not benefited at all. In fact, Zimbabwe leads the world in inflation. I think they reached uh, uh, billions of percent inflation, billions of percent, where 16, uh, they literally had to take 16 zeros off the currency and still a $100 trillion note couldn't buy a loaf of bread. Half the population of Zimbabwe fled and a country that used to export food now needs thousands of millions of tons of food brought into the country as relief aid. So uh, we know what happens. It's not that any country America gets involved in militarily is better off afterwards. Not uh, Taiwan, uh, uh, not um, uh, any of these countries you can think where they've been involved in militarily. Uh, whether it's as bombing Syria or Libya or Iraq or Afghanistan or betraying uh, Iran into the hands of the Ayatollah crazies or betraying Rhodesia into the hands of Zimbabwe or South Africa being betrayed into the ANC. In every case, the country targeted ends up worse than it were before, much worse, vastly worse uh, by multiple uh, factors. It's it's shocking, the destruction. Um, on a speaking to in America, I remember one person saying to me, well, they hate us because we're free. And I'd say, no, they don't hate you because you're free. Switzerland's free. Nobody hates Switzerland. They hate you because you bomb them. Stop bombing other countries and maybe they won't hate you so much. And uh, this mentality that somehow or another uh, people are unfairly um, prejudiced against America just because America's free isn't true. It's that many people are fed up with a country which has an electorate that can't find their country on the map, but still supports the government when they want to bomb that country. I've been in America at tea parties and others where I've had people say to me, don't you agree that we should be bombing Syria? Now, this is now back in 2014, Obama's years. 
And I said, can you even find Syria on the map? And these people could not. They couldn't even tell me which countries were bordering Syria, what its history was, where it was referred to in the Bible. They knew nothing about Syria. They didn't know that 6% of its population were Christians. They didn't know that the vast majority of Christians in in, uh, Syria supported Assad's government, which gave them more religious freedom than they could get anywhere else in the Middle East. They didn't understand who was behind ISIS and the terrorists who were supporting them and beheading Christians. They did not understand any of the issues, but they believed that they should support the government in wanting to send cruise missiles in and bomb this country. That is shocking. We cannot have the world in the hands of people who are elected by individuals who are ignorant of history, ignorant of geography, ignorant of the whole strategic situation. They don't understand geopolitics. They don't understand the new world order, but they support the country if they want to bomb someone overseas and or declare economic warfare against the country and try and destroy the economy. We need more responsible views than that. And that's why many supported Donald Trump because of him speaking out against these useless, no-win foreign wars. And that America should mind its own business, pull its troops back, defend its own borders and stop interfering in other countries. This business of regime change and trying to interfere in other countries and assassinating other people, organizing coup d'etats in countries such as America did in Ukraine back in 2014, bringing to power another government, ousting a democratically elected government, it just happened to be Russia's ally, by the way, and creating an incredibly corrupt government in Ukraine. Look at the devastation, how many people have suffered and who've suffered the most. Well, I know Americans are feeling uh, hard done by by having to have massive inflation and uh, extra taxes and everything's more expensive. But it's a lot worse for the poor people in Ukraine. On whose behalf this war is meant to be waged? But just think, Britain, France, America encouraged Poland to not hand back uh, uh, Dresden, uh, Danzig to, to Germany in 1939, encouraged them to resist and to get a war going, and then did nothing to help them. Ended up handing them over to the Soviet Union, who destroyed them for the next 70 odd years. I mean, really and truly, do we need to, how many times do we need to do this before we get the understanding? The banksters and the military industrial complex, these industrialists who have so much conflicts of interest, in many cases, just like in the First World War, you had uh, Lord Nathan Rothschild. He is in the war cabinet who declares war on Germany and then approves um, Britain's borrowing of money from his bank, which he is running, the, the Bank of, of England, so-called, although it's a Rothschild bank, to then pay his companies, uh, for example, in Coventry, which are producing the bombs and artillery shells. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the taxpayers have to pay back that. How is that for conflict of interest? And his relatives are doing the same thing in Germany and in Italy and in France and the United States of America and Austria. And so you've got Rothschilds funding all sides of the war and getting paid for their factories that are producing the bombs and bullets that are killing Christians, while the taxpayers for the next several generations are going to have to be paying uh, interest on the war debts generated in these wars. How many times must this happen before we get to see that we are, in fact, being a part of a massive scam? And that's why taking the word banker and gangster and putting it together and using the word bankster is most appropriate. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And um, before we go, can you please let the audience know where they can uh, find your work and how they can contact you? 
Yes, certainly. My personal email is peter at frontline.org.za. Peter at frontline.org.za. You can go onto the Frontline Mission SA.org website, Frontline Mission SA, short for South Africa, Frontline Mission SA.org website. And you'll also find us on Facebook, Frontline Fellowship, uh, the sword, the word in Africa, that's our badge. We'd love to hear from you if, if you're interested in more of the details. And of course, we've written about quite a bit of these scandals that are going on and how we can resist it. We need to be the resistance. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. Wonderful presentation as always, folks. You have been listening to The Real Story behind Pelosi's Taiwan visit and the raid on Trump's home. I want to thank all of you for listening. Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. And until then, folks, have a wonderful day and bye for now.